Welcome everyone to the LaRouge Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and with me today, and always, is Derek Brissett. Derek, how's it going today, buddy? I can't complain, dude, to yourself. I'm good. You know, we've got jerseys now. The, the, the drive towards the World Cup is getting closer and closer, and uh, we've got lots to talk about today, like always. So let's get right into it. So the first piece of news that we have is Canada announced their long list, so take that as you will, for their last push before the Rugby World Cup. Um, so as many of you know, Rugby Canada has three more games before the World Cup. Uh, they have their game this weekend against uh, Leinster in Hamilton. They have a uh, game against the BC All-Stars, and then they have a game against the U.S. in Vancouver. So the first thing we're going to talk about is that is uh, the, the, the list that they, they came out with. Uh, so coming into the line into the the roster, uh, Noah Barker, prop hooker, front row extraordinaire, uh, Dustin Dubrovsky, back row plays flank, but he played a little bit of eight man during the ARC as well. Uh, Andrew Coe, which is an interesting one, um, sevens player, fifteens player. He's been jumping back and forth the last few years. Played a couple, of, uh, played a few games for the Ontario Arrows uh, during their exhibition season. Uh, one interesting name that, that I saw was uh, Doug Fraser has been added to the list. Um, uh, he's been someone that I've, I've enjoyed watching, but injuries have kind of caught up with him. You know, he's, he, he played a few games for, for Austin Elite before injuries derailed his season, so it's, it's nice to see him back on the list. Um, Will Kelly, uh, the young uh, fly half, uh, was also named to the team. Also under Rugby Canada is also with the Arrows, so... Nothing official was announced, so that's that's an interesting little tidbit. Uh, Derek can kind of talk about that a little bit more. Um, the Larson brothers, Travis and, and Josh, were both named to the, to the lineup. And Theo Sauter uh, is now medically fit to play, so it'll be interesting to see what game he gets into. Um, so, Derek, who from this, this roster announcement is... Some that you really think could take advantage of the opportunity of being named and, and playing in some of these games. Well, uh, I think like well, the big ones. Uh, I think Theo Souter. Uh, Theo Souter. Uh, he got uh, injured his shoulder playing for the uh, earlier in the season playing for the Arrows, and I mean he was probably he would have obviously been included on the other squads if it wasn't for him being out with an injury. And uh, the the um, Team Canada uh, alongside the Toronto Arrows hosted a practice on. Uh, basically an open practice yesterday where essentially they just competed against each other in a bit of a scrimmage. And uh, Theo Sauter looked unreal in that. He looked very um, very much ready to play at the World Cup. Um, looks like his shoulders all nice and healed up. He was really not shying away from any contact at all. Um, he's, uh, you know, made some uh, nice defensive plays. He was, uh, you know, able to drive the offense and do all the things that, you know, he was able to do at the Repishage tournament to really solidify his spot on this team. Um, so Souter being back is a huge boost. Um, we have talked about it previously that, uh, you know, there's there's some positional um, arrangements that uh, Kingsley Jones still has to work out. Um, say, like, where Peter Nelson plays, where, you know, where Peter Nelson plays, where Parfrey might play. Um, so Steel Souter um, also kind of throws a bit of a wrench into that. Um, but, uh, but Peter Nelson has been looking pretty solid at, uh, fly half as well. So 
um, you know, it just kind of creates more competition for guys. And uh, at that practice yesterday, you could definitely see it um, because, like, a lot of those guys were playing, like, guys that don't have their spots locked down yet. Um, it was a pretty, um, you know, it was one of the more intense practices I think I've, I've seen. Um, they were – everybody was going 100%. There was some pretty, like, big hits and things. So, um, Souter definitely uh, made an impact in that in that game last night. And, you know, he's definitely putting his hand up to uh, get selected to the squad going forward. Uh, Noah Barker, I think, is also another interesting one. We've talked about it earlier where uh, none of the front row guys are really, um, you know, putting their hand up slightly higher than any of the other front row guys. Um, they've always they've been uh, no, I wouldn't like nobody's playing poorly or anything, but nobody's really doing something that's like taking the jersey, taking the the one, two or three jersey and running with it. Um, so Noah Barker being able to you know go prop and hooker um, is you know it's just, just the kind of another wrench maybe we're you know Kingsley maybe he's you know we're just kind of trying to see who. Uh, you know, if somebody uh, can run away with one of those jerseys. And, again, Barker just adds some of the competition to it. Uh, Will Kelly um, has is basically a Toronto Arrow. Um, they're, uh, he was with the team the entire season, which is why he's listed as a Toronto Arrow. Um, he just, you know, didn't get any playing time. Um, I believe partly due to some form of contract dispute, but I, uh, our contract, it, not maybe not a contract dispute, but something to do with his previous contract with the Dragons. Um, although I could be wrong on that. I'm not to be 100% sure, to be honest with you. Um, but he was with the Arrows the entire season, basically. Um, so, it, you know, so it's, uh, it's again, it's, it's nice to see him back in the lineup. Uh, that's a big opportunity for him to, um, another position that we have said that is very, you know, contested and we're not really sure what Kingsley Jones is going to end up doing is, uh, and we're not really sure what Kingsley Jones is going to end up doing, but that's the fly half. Um, so, you know, Bill Kelly, you know, it could be McCrory, it could be, um, Peter Nelson, it could be O'Leary. And now, you know, Kelly gets thrown into the mix as well. Uh, Doug Frazier, again, it's a center. It's been another position that we haven't really been completely blown away with. Um, so that's, you know, maybe it's just uh, taking a look at some other guys here. Um, both of the Larsons, the scrum, the, the packs, I think, might be a little bit more locked down. Um, but, you know, you, you need some depth. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, there's three more games before the World Cup. And what Kingsley Jones was talking about yesterday was that all of these additions just kind of add some depth to roster a little bit. Um, and you know, there's, there's three games before the world cup, which means there's three games where somebody could get hurt. Um, so it's, you know, it's good to have like those guys that might have to be the player that steps up in the event of an injury around the team, um, ahead of the world cup. So, um, there's, yeah, so there's, uh, you know, it's always good to have the few more guys around. For sure. And, 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 you know, it's interesting with, with, with guys like Andrew Coe, uh, and, and, and the Larson brothers, you know, the lock situation, the wing situation seems to be, seems to be Canada's stronger points. So, so my next question for you is, you know, which, which of these guys do you think were brought in only to play against the BC All-Stars? Because in all reality, that game is going to be for fringe guys to say, I can make an impact either off the bench or try to steal someone else's spot in that U.S. game. You know, you're not going to put Tyler Arndron, you're not going to put Evan Olmstead. 
you know, you're not going to put DTH, Vander Merver, Jeff Hassler into those games against BC All-Stars who are just guys who play in the BC Premiership and maybe some university guys. Uh, so who do you think, you know, either either that are in the lineup or sorry, are on the roster or were just named that we just listed off that are definitely going to be playing that game and should really try to take advantage of it? Well, like, do we mean, like, only playing in that game? Because, like, like Theo Souders probably going to play in more than just the BC. I think he's the exception. You know, again, I, I like, yeah, yeah. I think that the Larsons will definitely be playing that game. And, again, Dabrowski, Barker, like, I think that's a game where they're probably going to be starting playing a lot of time. And, yeah. you know, that's that's just the, the, the fact of it. You know, they haven't had the opportunity, like, with, like, the PNC and – they are fringe players for this World Cup. You know, they they don't have as many caps. You know, we we know we know Kingsley Jones is a man who has been picking based off of what he knows. So these guys really need to show it, and I think that's something that that is uh, important for these guys to take that advantage. Well, I think um, when I was talking to Kingsley Jones last uh, last night or uh, Tuesday, depending on what day you're actually listening to this. Um, the, he was, he sounded like he was pretty impressed with, uh, both Souter and Co. at least as far as the, the guys that stood at, really stood out to him amongst the, uh, the new group that came in. Um, so I, I think Cohen's, uh, I mean, like we said, Souter is probably, Souter's a bit of a different position cause he was hurt. Um, and, uh, you know, he should clearly, he should be on this team. Um, maybe not clearly on this team, but he should be on the team. Um, but Andrew Coe, um, uh, coming over from the sevens program, it's like you really, uh, uh, you know, you really got to give him like a good look, I think. And, uh, you know, uh, he, uh, Kingsley Jones was super impressed with him. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him get into a couple of games here um, just to see how he ends up panning out. He should definitely be competing for a spot on the back mm-hmm. line. So, um, uh, yeah, so I, I think Ko definitely gets in. The other guys, like I said, it's like I think a lot of these moves are sort of like depth and injury related um you know so it's um so like it'd be it'd be interesting to see if it's like noah barker i think would be interesting to see get into a game as well whether it's against bc or against the leinster the eagles as well um so yeah it's i i think like i don't think you bring a whole lot of players necessarily to just have them sitting around um you know there's the roster ultimately for the world cup you got basically three games to figure out who your 31 is going to be. Um, yeah. Canada right now sitting at about 40, uh, uh, is it 42 names. Um, so like, yeah, so you gotta, you gotta cut 11 guys. So I think, um, so it's, there's still a lot of, there's still a lot of work to be done as far as determining who's actually on the team. And I don't think you would bring players in just to sit around and be cannon fodder for like, or like practice tackling dummies or anything like that. Right. And the other point, the, the going off of what you just said, is am I going to want to have these injury replacements maybe sitting in Japan or in Canada uh, practicing this summer with their club team, or do I want them practicing with the national team? Even if Will Kelly or Doug Fraser or Dabrowski, Noel Barker, or the Larsons, if none of them even get into a game, these next three games, I'm still going to want them practicing with us because it's going to be better than what you know the Peterborough Pagans or – you know, the Toronto Scottish or, you know, what what team have you that's a club that's going to provide. Even the Ontario Blues aren't going, or, you know, the 
the, the Prairie Wolfpack, they're not going to be providing the same level that the national team is for in terms of, you know, physiotherapy, just in terms of practice intensity. And you want these guys to be able to provide that to also provide that as a, as a compliment to your guys who are already going to be playing. So I think that's a good point that you just mentioned. So uh, we also have to talk about the guys that have been uh, taken out of the picture. Uh, it seems like permanently, you know, you never say never. Again, like you said, injuries happen, but this seems to be kind of the final nail in the coffin. Um, now, th these are names that were on the long list before the Pacific Nations Cup. So they, they weren't really around other than just uh, names before. But out are George Barton. Paul Cellini, Andrew Ferguson, Dan Moore, and Nakai Penny. So all MLR players, all guys that uh, that are, are very low well on the on the caps. Um, it's Nakai Penny's there. Nakai Penny's still on the team. Oh, is he on the team? Yeah. Oh, then I missed it. Yeah, Nakai Penny's still. Oh, well, that's embarrassing. Well, okay. I can mean wrong. I'm, I've been wrong before on this podcast. So Nakai Penny is on the list. That's good. Happy about that. But uh, you know who we, we've talked about some of these names multiple times. You know George Barton, Dan Moore. Uh, I, I'm I'm kind of sad to see that Fer Andrew Ferguson didn't get a shot either. You know I, I thought that maybe they would have pulled some more Ontario guys for that Hamilton game. You know I, I haven't been really thought that you know that the, the scrum half positions were untouchable to this point. So, you know, who, who being left out, and it doesn't have to be the guys that, that were on this list, is most disappointing to you. Because we also have a winger that currently hasn't played any games as well, that Taylor Paris, that we still don't know where he's at health-wise after getting that he, knock in practice. He, he played yesterday. Okay. He, uh, he played in that scrimmage yesterday. Um. And looked pretty good as well. By That's the way. good. Um, but yeah, so he, he was there. He was participating in that. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think for me, Dan Moore and Ferguson, I think are the uh, the two you know the two guys I'm most disappointed to see that have been left off. Um, Moore, a lot of what Moore's done this year, he's obviously had a great season, but the versatility that he can bring to the back line. Um, in the event of, you know, even even if just, you know, as part of the 31-man squad, it's like the versatility that he can have by being able to, you know, play his both center and wing along that back line could be, uh, you know, could be very important at the World Cup, um, you know, in that tournament atmosphere. Um, and, but, you know, like we said, it's like Canada's got a lot of really good wingers. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's, uh, it's, he's had a great season and, uh, you know, I just, I wish we got to see him get, uh, really re rewarded for it by being able to go to Japan, but, um, it doesn't, maybe it doesn't look like it at this point. Um, Andrew Ferguson, um, so the Toronto Arrows were at the Team Canada practice yesterday. And they basically did an inner squad. Uh, let's call it an inner squad game, for the lack of a better term. And they used a handful of the Toronto Arrows players to fill that weren't necessarily on that weren't on Team Canada to kind of fill in gaps for like numbers. So, you know, Cialini played in it. Marcello Wainwright was there. Um, Ferguson was there. Uh, Dan Moore was also there. And Ferguson played um, scrum half for a bit. 
and um, he uh, he looked pretty good. Um, so in in the game, um, so that 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 one's um, so yeah, it's like like you said, it's like you can never say never for some of these guys, but um, like they they yeah, like Ferguson looked pretty good in the game last night. At least I thought he was able to move the ball like really well and kind of drive offense. And then you know the team he was on started you know, we get a little bit more of an edge um, when he was there um, in the total control. Ferguson's uh, fly half for a bit was also Shane O'Leary. Um, uh, the previous Shane O'Leary had Jamie McKenzie um, in the first part of that game. And, um, you know, that, that seemed to be like that. They seemed to be working pretty well together. So, um, but also, you know, we'll see what happens with O'Leary and, you know, the fly half position and everything as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think, and it's one thing that frustrates me about Ferguson is if he hadn't gotten injured before the repishage, he was going to be playing as the backup scrum half. You know, mm-hmm. that's that that's what everyone was saying. That's what you know uh, Kingsley Jones was saying, and then and then uh, he he had an uh, up, up arm injury. They had to have surgery, yeah. and and he he missed his his chance to play. And and I wonder if. You know, not having the international experience, not getting picked for the ARC and playing with the Arrows, you know, really soured the the mind of of Rugby Canada. And I, I, I know it's not the same level of competition. I know Major League Rugby is not the same level as international test match, matches, especially the PNC and the ARC. Um, worse for the PNC, but it, I, I don't see how looking at Andrew Ferguson's season and saying, I don't think that he didn't deserve a shot to play at least one game. You know, we've said this about Dan Moore. We've said this about George Barton. And I just feel like we're just leaving these, these guys, you know, high and dry, but you know, we can't complain over sour milk. It's over. You know, maybe we will see it because of some injuries, who knows, but we're going to move on because a hot topic in Canadian rugby was about clothing, jerseys, in fact. Uh, rugby Canada, along with Canterbury, announced uh, Rugby Canada's World Cup jerseys. And, you know, it's funny. Brock Smith, who does uh, the communications for the Toronto Arrows, perfectly described how my reaction was. It was very knee-jerk, you know. Uh, Brian Ray posted a photo that, that was given to him of, of the home jersey. And everyone immediately reacted, and it was uh, not well received. Mm-hmm. But Rugby Canada then posted more detailed photos, and what we found out is that photo that Brian had was the child replica version, so it wasn't as detailed. Um, mm-hmm. I found the jerseys are actually quite quite beautiful, especially the black one. And I, we we all know Derek loves the black jerseys. We mentioned it in the last episode when they played against uh, Tonga. Um, but one thing that people have been mentioning is it's still very similar to the English kit. It's still the same shape of all the other Canterbury jerseys. Mm-hmm. So my, my question to you is, is not take, take the design out of it, the shape and the format, the, the longer back, which kind of looks like a yoga shirt, which is just strange to me. Is it a cop out for, for Canterbury to do that, to say, hey, we're going to get everyone the same jersey, but make them look a little different especially when you look at george's jersey which take the maroon and it's england's kit 
Like it's that, very, that, very similar. That was the uh, the Photoshop. Like you just kind of changed the the slid like the uh, the, gradient the gradient color. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, well, I thought like I saw like you know I saw some people joking around on like the the Reddit page with the announcement. It's like Canada has to wear a black jersey because if they went with white, they would look like England. Um. Right. Um. So. Uh, like there's one, I think with the, the Canadian kit, um, the black Jersey is beautiful. Um, like Canterbury template or not, it, it's amazing. Um, they, they, they played with it against Tonga. It looks so good in like in action. Um, I think like they, honestly, they should wear that for every single game. Um, I don't know how they can figure out how to do that against the all blacks, but they should try to figure out a way to be like, well, yeah, they should figure out a way to wear that every single game. You know, maybe, what I like I like the All Blacks white kit. I do like the All Blacks white yeah. kit. So maybe, maybe they can that's convince the thing me. We need to throw the All Blacks off. Is we got to figure out a way to we wear black, and then it throws the All Blacks off the game, and then they get, you know, the biggest upset in the history of sports. Um, but uh, also, fun facts, fun fact about New Zealand. So we're going to basketball for a quick second. Like the New Zealand basketball team is called the Tall Blacks. Yes, that is fact. Hilarious! I found that out because Canada beat them twice. So hopefully that's a good omen for the World Cup. Anyways, yeah. continue. Uh, yeah. So it's like I think like those jerseys look good. I like I do like the red one. Um, it, it also looks, I like the, the little sublimated, like maple leaves they have on the shoulders. Yeah. I think that was good. And it looks like from the pictures, it has like, we stand on guard for the written in the collar or something oh, that's like cool. that. Um, which, you know, it's just one of those touches that I like, uh, just again, you know, kind of gives that little like country personalization to it. Um, as far as the other, uh, Canterbury jerseys, um, it's to be honest, it's, it's not that like it's not that the design's bad. It's like, you know, it's not that you look at the England kit or the Irish kit or even the Georgian kit and be like, like it's doesn't, they're not ugly jerseys or like bad looking kits. No. It's just, it's just, there's that, just that element of just like, like they all kind of look the same. And, you know, which is the, I guess the disappointing thing with the, you know, with the, it being the World Cup is that, they just they all kind of look the same, but Can- Canterbury has been doing it for a while though. There's some other there's previous World Cups where they've all kind of used templates and stuff as well. And I mean, like most most professional sports leagues and like and teams stuff use you know use templates, but it's like you can make them like look different. Like if you look at kind of like the NBA, the NHL, every single one of those teams uses the same jersey. It's just the way you design it, you can make it look unique and stuff to yourself. Um, the only thing, I think the worst thing for, you know, I think the reason really why people are, uh, in general is hating on this Canterbury template is because some of the jerseys that Canterbury hasn't made for this world cup are unreal. Um, Fiji's, I believe ISC Jersey with like all of, you know, like the native, um, art and stuff on the, the native tribal art on the, like on the sides of the kit looks amazing. Um, Uruguay, uh, just oh. their jersey, um, like, and that's just with like the the like that blue and like the sun kind of like coming up the entire side. 
um, the little the yellow collar, the like the lost tarot slow, everything about the Uruguay jersey is amazing. Um, and it's you know, it's one of those things where it's like it just it looks completely different. And like even, you know, like Under Armour with Wales, like I don't know how Wales ended up with a better green jersey than Ireland. Um, but they have a better green jersey than Ireland. Um, so like there's there's a lot of those teams, even like Adidas you know, with the All Blacks, and it's like the, you know, the All Blacks, obviously, like, that's, you know, kind of sacred ground, you can't really mess around with the All Blacks kit that much, uh, but, you know, they added some, like, of the, like, sublimated images of, like, the fern and stuff around it, and, like, they did, like, they even kind of did something a little unique with the actual design of their jersey, even though, like, as unique as you can get with, while maintaining the All Blackness of the of the kit and what makes that, you know, part of what gives that team like the aura surrounding them is like the greatest rugby team in the world. Um, which I guess technically they're not the greatest rugby team in the world anymore. Um, <laughs> but, but, um, it still kind of gives them that like aura and stuff. Um, France had the, uh, you know, the Lecoq Sportif Jersey, um, which also looks really good. It's one of France, in my opinion, it's one of France's better jerseys as well. And it's just like, I don't necessarily, hate the canterbury template it's just it's like you kind of look at you know the other kits that the companies that aren't canterbury are producing for this world cup and like and they're just they're all better you know in a weird way like they're just it's not even that they're bad it's just some of these teams went you know some of these teams went above and beyond on the design um with their jerseys and it's you know it kind of shows when you have you know six teams that kind of look the same uh, Japan's jersey, I do like, um, especially after watching the Pacific Nations Cup. Um, the the uh, Japanese jersey from Canterbury is really good. Um, really good. And, you know, yeah, I, I, see, I know some people, like, when, when you got a hoop jersey like Japan always does, people like it to keep it traditional. But I think Japan is one of those countries where they have they can afford to go like futuristic and different and that those sharp edges and it just looks really sharp. Like that's just, I, I don't know yeah. how to, else to describe it. It's like, it's like in hockey, I don't want some of the original six to go with like those really edgy nude jerseys. Yeah. But when it's like Tampa Bay or, or Vegas, you know, Ottawa, Vegas, go for it. Go, yeah, go crazy. That's yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And it's just, like you said, it's like it's not like the All Blacks are gonna come out on the pitch in anything other than a jersey that's all black. Um, yeah. But it's like, but even that, like Adidas figured out a way to kind of you know put a little something on the design um, to make it special for a World Cup, um, which which I really like. And it was just the other you know the other kits from Canterbury. It's just it's not even that they're bad because quite frankly, I, that black Canada kit is amazing, and I definitely want to go pick one of those up. The red one looks really good too, but the black one's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, so that is kind of yeah. yeah. Two things and two things, and you mentioned on I saw you mention it on Reddit for all the people that are that like you mentioned harping on Canada for having a black jersey. Black in Canadian uniforms is like it's very very common. Hockey Canada yeah. is consistently throwing black in, like. Uh, uh, basketball yeah baseball uses baseball black. they all have black in their kits and most uniforms. of the olympic sports use black too yeah uh, whether it's so, like swimming track bobsled luge whatever 
Yeah. Awesome. Most of those organizations have black too. I mean, like the rugby Canada Canada logo up until they uh, they redesigned it um, used to have black literally in the logo. Yeah, it's not new. Like if you yeah. look back at the 2011 World Cup. Two, yeah, they, they had a full black, and black jersey. jersey. 2007, they wore a red and black jersey, but the jersey was like predominantly. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's so just... it's like, I was kind of. Yeah, I like, I don't know. I there's just I think there's just the thing. It's like there's not a whole lot of black rugby teams out there, which is probably because of the all black. Deep black. Yeah, and exactly. unfortunately, there is a. Yeah, there is a ton of. It does make black. sense for Canada to you know have the black and. Honestly, I think it looks better than the red jersey. So, I mean, I'm all on board for the wear it every game. I hope yeah. they wear it against Leinster. That'd be that'd probably be cool. Rock the. Uh... It depends, I guess, what jersey, uh, what kit Leinster brings. They have that. They have a pretty dark blue kit, and then they also have that like purple mm-hmm. kit too. So, I guess we'll see which one they end up. Although red versus blue as a game always looks really nice. But yeah, and I and I think that's just what it comes down to is. There is a ton, like in rugby, especially with, especially with, and England kills you because they are red and white, and and in every other sport they're red, white, and blue, but in rugby they, in in soccer they stick with being England, so they're red and white. And there's tons of others, no Wales, Tonga, Samoa adds a little bit of blue every now and then. Even Namibia, Russia, they they all are variations of red, white, and sometimes blue. So, you know, Canada has to stick out somehow. Um, so the last thing about the jerseys, and this was something that I saw people kind of ask is what is your dream rugby Jersey? And honestly, for me, I think that they're not far off with, with the, the, with the red Jersey they have now, obviously I would fix the bottom where it's not that weird back thing, but I like the idea of like those maple leaves on the top shoulders being like white or some variation of that where where there is a little bit more white incorporated as well um what what about you Derek what if you had to have a dream rugby Canada jersey do you think that they've had one before where it's just perfect or where would you go with it my dream uh rugby Canada jersey is the one that they wear while they lift the Webb Ellis cup um that is (laughs) that is my dream rugby Canada jersey um at that point I do not care what it looks like um, it can have colors that don't even resemble uh, Canada um, in a traditional manner. It can be yellow and pink. It can be purple and green. It doesn't matter. But if Canada is wearing anything while lifting the Webb Ellis Cup um, at the end of any World Cup, whether it's this one or in four years from now or beyond that, that will be my dream of uh, Rugby Canada jersey. Um but uh, for, yeah, I don't know. I, I actually really like this black one right now. Um, I'm a big fan of it. Um, I did like the one they had at the 07 World Cup when it was like the Barbarian one, um, when it was still like, you know, a Canadian company making it. That was still really cool. Um, plus, it had a really good design on it. still had like the old school collar. It was still. Um, yeah. Yeah. I kind of miss collars on rugby jerseys a little bit. Um, I got you. Yeah. You and Nate Hirayama. It's funny, like, I've got, like, yeah. the, the jersey I'll be wearing to to the Hamilton game against Leinster. Uh, it's, it's like, it was like a throwback that Koga made, but it's a yeah. throwback to, like, a jersey that Nate Hiriyama's dad wore during his time with the Canada Sevens team, and it was the exact thing you're talking about. Collar, long sleeve, 
Like it, it looked, it looked pretty. Yeah, sweet. exactly. Like I, I got, I got a Springbox jersey that has like the full collar on it and stuff too. And it's like, it's just, I don't know. It just, it helps. Like I think some, I think that was like sometimes it just helps distinguish it from like a soccer kit. Sometimes depending on how it's, yeah, like how it's designed. It's just like something like especially for some of like the traditional countries and stuff like it's, like go back and like watch like you know the old clips from like the 90s and it's like it's kind of cool to see like you know jonah lomu trucking over guys on england and it's like you rocking like the all black with the white collar which is yeah probably honestly probably still the best all blacks jersey ever um which i mean again that's not like they changed them that much but if you yeah. have them it's probably the best one um but yeah, it's like I don't know. The, I, I would, yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't mind, uh, you know, seeing a little return to the callers, a little bit more prominent. Yeah, in the game. One thing that we're I'm going to say before we move on from the jerseys, and I saw people complaining about it, um, about New Zealand's jersey and about Canada's jersey, about the little imprints that they've got, like the maple leaf, and then for the for the New Zealand team, it's the, the imprint of the fern on their jersey, and and the complaint is. Why even bother? You're not going to be able to see it on TV. Well, it, it, it that serves a dual purpose. I mean, it's one, it's it's f- frankly for the players to enjoy as well. Like to look at the jersey and, and be able to physically see that and say, wow, that that's a little detail that's pretty sweet. Yeah. But it's also for the fans as well that are going to be buying this product. You know, you've got to sell a product, and again, little details really add up in the end. Um, but we're going to move on because this isn't a fashion podcast, otherwise. It this could would be. be. It could be, but could be. thank God. You might it's need not. other people to run it, but it could be. This yeah. podcast can be whatever the people demand it to be. Oh God, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> uh, moving on, though. Um, so Lester was kind enough to uh, post their roster today, uh, which is pretty sweet. Um, so they didn't really name a starting lineup, but we do have an idea of who is traveling to Canada to uh, play. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> um, so uh, it's a pretty young lineup. Again, everyone knows the star players are all with with Ireland right now. But um, six of the players named to this roster were in the lineup versus the Saracens in the European Championship. Um, only one person started uh, in the game, Scott Farty, and he actually got a yellow card in the game. Uh, he was uh, the number six flanker. Um, and then James Tracy at uh, backup hooker. Michael Bent at number 18, which you got to give him some sympathy. Having to be the backup to Furlong is pretty, pretty damn hard. It's like you're, you're never a prop. It's, it's yeah. Furlong. It's, you're yeah, you're not going to lose that spot. Um, uh, Max Deegan at the 20 jersey. Uh, and then uh, Hugh O'Sullivan at the um, scrum half backup position. And he didn't even get into the game. And then uh, Rory O'Loughlin at the 23 jersey. So, you know, it's, it's a pretty uh, young team. Uh, only six capped internationals on this roster. Um, and only three guys that have over 50 caps for Leinster alone. Um, and just quickly counting one, two, three, four academy players were also named to this uh, roster. So, young. Um, what are Canada's realistic chances in this game, Derek? Because, again, Leinster is one of the best clubs in the world. But this isn't the Leinster club that was in you know, the European Premiership. But you still have 
the almost entire bench that was named for that game. And again, you know, there are guys that are have a large amount of uh, caps. So where does Canada stand in his chance against this team? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's this going to be a pretty good test. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it's one of those things. It's like it's nice to see a team like Leinster come over, um, uh, you know, to take part in this game. Uh, you know, it's a different it's a bit of a different change of pace. I mean, you can only play the USA so many times. Um, so, you know, it's. You know, it's it's a different it's a different team. Um, it gives you you know like they play a different a little bit of a different style than some of the teams that um, Canada's plays frequently, um, being like you know throughout the ARC or whatever, or you know all the other international tournaments that they regularly compete in. Um, so it gives it kind of a different uh, look. But yeah, like like you said though, it's like there is you know going to be six guys that have literally played this game at the highest possible level. You can do it with your club. Uh, with you know playing in the uh, against the Saracens earlier this year in the championship, and uh, so you know S- Scott Farty, uh, like assuming they haven't posted the actual starting lineup, this is just a squad that travels over, which does make sense for Leinster to post a lot earlier because you know you got to put these guys on planes to get them to Canada, um, and hope and you'll get some training sessions and things in before. Um, so that's obviously, um, you know, something that they have to do. Um, but like, if you, if you go with like, if we're saying like these guys start, um, like it should be really interesting. Uh, you know, you can have, uh, Michael Bent at hooker, uh, which will be a good, you know, like he's got, obviously he'll be, you know, throwing in the lineouts and everything, which will be a good test for Canada as well as, you know, the, the Canadian hookers, um, whether it be Howard Quatrin or Piffero to like, you know, test themselves against them or Mark. Um, Sorry, or Barker, or sorry, James James Tracy is the the hooker. Sorry, I think I said Michael Bent as the hooker. Um, sorry, James Tracy being the hooker. Um, so it's like yeah, like that'll be a good one. Um, again though, uh, Michael Bent. Now that I have your position correct, um, you know that'll um like that'll be another uh, like another huge test for you know the uh, uh like the the loose head or the loose heads on our team to like go up against the tight head, um like Michael Bent, um. So it's like if these guys actually play, like that's some elite, um, you know, competition that Canada has to face, um, which, you know, is something that they might not necessarily get all the time. Um, guys like, you know, DTH, um, Hassler, um, Ardron, um, you know, that have all played at, the, you know, at that level or higher as well, um, you know, like are probably going to be looked on, have some pretty, pretty big games um, or on, um, on Saturday. So uh as far as you know they have a handful of their academy players they have you know only six guys have been capped internationally um there's only like you said three players that have more than 50 caps just for Leinster um so it's it'll be like so I mean I think they're kind of experimenting a little bit too as they uh prepare for for their season um and you know they have to they have to kind of get ready for a little bit of life without their big guys during the world cup as well um, so the, you know, so it, it should be interesting. I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily think you can like, you know, if, if lines, if they had like their full powered roster, um, the outcome of the, the outlook on this game might be a little bit different, but, um, that's really, yeah, that's really not, what <laughs> um, that could be a fun game that we play. We'll take like the top five club teams in the world and see how many teams at the world cup they could be. Um, but uh, you know, it's uh, 
I don't, it should be good. There's a lot of, uh, there's definitely going to be a lot of players that are going to be looked upon to have some really big games. It's going to be a lot of um, competition for spots for Canada to keep uh, going on the World Cup. Um, and, you know, it's uh, Leinster should pr prove a pretty big test uh, no matter who out of this group actually ends up being in the uh, match day 23. And I think, yeah, I think the big thing too is who is Canada going to play? Are they going to consider this a serious match where they try to put together a PNC level roster or is this going to be a match where we see Andrew Coe, you know, uh, Noah Barker, Will Kelly, the Larson brothers, nah, you know, nah. come, come in. I think, I think that they'll lean towards having a more serious roster with, which may be resting a few, a few key guys to keep them fresh for the, the U S game. Uh, but it will be interesting to see what kind of attack that, uh, that Canada puts out there. Yeah, I think I think if you're if I'm Kingsley Jones, I think I'm, you know, obviously there's still a lot of guys that are battling for positions, but I think you really are trying to put your best foot forward with a roster in this game, um, just because like you don't want to go into the World Cup being like you know winning one out of your last six or you know, um, right or it's it's just like you want to probably you know, use these last three games here to start building some, you know, positive momentum uh, heading into the World Cup. It's, mm -hmm. you know, you came out of the, the PNC, went 0-3. Um, there was a lot of, you know, there's a lot of stuff to work on. I think uh, I think we both agreed that Canada did get better as the tournament went on, but obviously still didn't come away with the result. Um, so it's, I think you, I think you really, you don't want to be going into the World Cup being like, we've, you know, we're 0-6 in the previous games heading into the World Cup, or we're 1-5. You know, I think if you're Canada right now, like, you really got to be hoping that you can go, like, 3-0 and to, like, enter into the World Cup with some positive momentum. Um, so I think I think that, like, building that momentum would really start with, you know, a game, uh, like, a, a good game against Leinster, and hopefully they can come away with a win. Mm -hmm. um, and it, um, it'll probably be a pretty tight game. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so that, that would be my outlook. I think you got to put your best foot forward with this team and, you know, try to get that win to start building a lot of, you know, positive momentum. That's actually, you know, also tangible, not just saying, you know, we're getting better every week and stuff, but actually being like, look, we're starting to actually win games now. I think that's a good point. It needs to be tangible at this point. I don't need to see tiny improvements. I need to see an actual rolling ball of momentum. Even if it comes down, you know, they win two games and, and lose a tight one against the U.S. I'm fine with that because we'll yeah. see progression. Well, that, um, that, that's even the other thing, too. It's like, if, if they, I mean, we could talk about this later. If they lose against Leinster, though, do you just send out your best lineup and, like, murder the BC All-Stars? Like, <laughs> like, let's, you know, like, like, one of those, like, you know, U.S. college football games where the big school just, like, gets to pick on, like, a D2 school and run up, like, 80 points on them. Just to, like, you know. My, my only my only issue with that, and I love the idea because it's just so jerky. It's a jerk <laughs> move that, like, I love it. My only problem with that is if Tyler Ardron or Phil Mack or DTH or Hassler or, you know, whoever, you know, slam dunk choice you want to pick gets yeah. hurt in that game. Mm. I don't know. I don't know if I could, I, if I could deal with that personally. If, there, if, if, yeah. if you're going to have well, risk, I mean, yeah, risk. There, there is that, but it's like, you know, 
you need um i mean hopefully they get that win against uh on this saturday and we know you can use the game against the bc all-stars to you know maybe like give uh some of the fringe guys the guys that might be cut like a last look um but if not i think maybe you do do want to like you know what make sure you're like walking away with a win giving some guys you know, giving some guys some confidence and stuff. Yeah, but I think. I mean, obviously, we're kind of jumping ahead of ourselves here. Um, so you what? know, yeah, Us yeah, jump ahead and worry about things that haven't even happened yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, who should start against the All Blacks? That's what. Yeah. That's what this this whole podcast should be about. Winner gets uh, to keep the black jerseys. Yeah, that's so, the bet. That's, that's the bet we make. Yeah, winner. Um, but but yeah, I think. Um, yeah, like Leinster, like it sh- it should be a good game. I hope, hopefully, like, but yeah, hopefully they start building some momentum. So I would expect to see, you know, maybe I wouldn't say like the final roster because I think there's still like a lot of um, positional battles and stuff to be had um, uh, within the next three games going forward. But I would, ex- I like you should, I, I would want to see DTH. I'd want to see, you know, Taylor Paris um, in the lineup. I'd want to see Ardron there. I would want to see. You know, like yeah, like you, sh- it should be a solid lineup for Canada. I would imagine. I just want to see them personally as a fan. Um, I've only seen a few of these guys. Yeah. In person, so it'd be a lot it's of fun. This, to see that. Yeah, I think I think that's a part of it too, right? Like you, it is the one the one great thing about you know having some um some of these home games. Uh, you know, you get to put on a show in front of your home fans. Um, you know, be able to run out on the pitch, hear your own anthem hear the uh you know the crowd singing it back at you and stuff and you know it's you know it, it again like it just it helps to just build towards you know something positive before the world cup because you know it's uh regardless of how you like really look at it it's like canada's been doing a lot of losing lately unfortunately um throughout the the 2019 calendar year here um and you know i think it, it would be nice to get some some confidence built up. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, it's, it's, it's been longer than 2019. It's been quite a slow. They, they won the Repishage tournament in 2018. That was a good bubble there. They were winning games. Um, yeah, you're, it's a good and point. Important games and important. We mentioned, I know we talked about that on a previous podcast, but those those those, those, are, those are tough games to play in. Those are yeah. like that, that. That's a super high level and stuff regardless. Yeah. Like no matter which way you look at it, you're playing essentially. You're playing elimination games in the World Cup a year before the World Cup even happens. Um, so, and I think one point you you brought about playing at home. Um, I remember Tyler Ardron did an interview. I think it was at a golf tournament or something with Rugby Canada, and he talked about that. You know, he mentioned that you know some of these guys on the national team played for the Toronto Arrows and got to have that experience. But you know, he plays in New Zealand. It doesn't does he get that that hometown feel where his family can come watch him play high level rugby. Yeah. You know, he was, he was, a, he, he, if spoiler, I'm from Peterborough. So, uh, Ardron, seeing Ardron at the club with the kids and it's obviously something that he doesn't get to experience, you know, a whole lot being a local celebrity somewhere where people really are proud of what he's done. So for him to experience that and for other guys to experience that, here and I, I like the idea of them doing a game in Ontario and a game in BC because it gives these guys a little bit of a chance to play in front of their their families and their hometown clubs and stuff like that. So it will be a very exciting uh, event. Uh, 
again, both Derek and I will be there. Derek's going to be looking a little bit more professional, but I'll be there in a rug, uh, Team Canada jersey, and I'll be there in a sun safety hat from from the Pagans. So if you want to come talk to us, feel free. You know, if you've got questions or if we said something that really pissed you off, just come let us have it. I'm sure we won't mind. Uh, but the last thing we're going to talk about and is something that, that Derek brought up. Um, Derek went to that Toronto Arrows versus Canada practice and in, in scrimmage game. Um, and he got to see firsthand some of the guys coming back from injuries, some of the guys being brought back into the squad. But we're going to look at it from a different perspective. And uh, one of the things that was nice, it was open to the public. And uh, what kind of impact do scrimmages and stuff like this have on the rugby community, Derek? Uh, yeah, like it was, it was one of those things where it's like, it was a really, it was a really cool, like little atmosphere to see. It was just at uh, Appleby college in Oakville, um, which, you know, the, for, they, they got a really nice, uh, rugby pitch there. Um, but you know, uh, a lot of kids from the, the Oakville Crusaders, um, the, um, for those, uh, that you view that aren't, uh, necessarily from here, the Oakville Crusaders is the rugby club in Oakville. Um, so the, like, there was a lot of teams, um, there were a lot of kids from rock, uh, walking around wearing like their Crusaders gear and stuff, which was really cool to see. Um, the, a lot of player, a handful of players, um, after the practice participated in rookie rugby with some, uh, you know, drills and stuff for the kids as well. Um, so, uh, the, a lot of those kids were, you know, able to come out, you know, you basically get like, for like firsthand access to the, uh, both, uh, team Canada and the arrows. Um, so like that, that was really cool to see because it's, it's a lot of, it's one of those things where it's like from, you know, the MLR point of view, where it's like, you can, you know, you're turning, turning a lot of kids into like, hopefully turning them into like lifelong rugby fans by constantly exposing them to um their team and everything so it's like i think you know it's a really good thing for both the arrows to one participate in that um the arrows so um at the game um so it's like they, it wasn't to say it was arrows versus canada is a little maybe not the best way to word it um the the squads were mixed um but uh this yeah the squads were mixed so it's not say like strictly canada versus arrows is probably like the wrong way to word that um but be one of the teams for in the inner squad game so one team wore the team canada training kit and then the other team wore the toronto arrows uh blue kit um so like if anybody that came out to that game um just you know just even for like arrows branding and stuff like you get to see it looked like team canada playing against the toronto arrows from at least from a visual perspective um which was you know uh really cool to see um, Bill Webb, Mark Winokur, all the other staff, you know, were going around doing, you know, promotional stuff, trying to promote the team, get people to come out. Um, and uh, but but beyond like the actual great like you know community impact that an event like that has, um, where the players can stick around, sign autographs, talk to fans, um, a little you know it's a little bit of a more personal um, you know way to get the community involved and promote the, uh, both both teams realistically. Um, but the one thing that you can really kind of see the, the advantage of having professional rugby in North America now, um, with like this practice, um, it, like team Canada was able to utilize MLR, the Toronto arrows, um, to essentially like, like it, it, it was like an inner squad game. It was a scrimmage, but 
it was like it was intense like the, everybody every guy on that field was going 100 percent. there was some pretty big hits thrown in the game um as well and it's like but you were able to team canada is able to use a professional team to train against um so even like the arrows players that either recently got cut um fr- from uh kingsley jones's squad or you know guys that weren't on that squad to begin with um like when for the guys that weren't on the squad it's like you can expose them to the highest level of like te- basically test level rugby um you know for the first time um if they haven't had a chance to earn a cap for canada or something yet but it also um what the scrimmage allowed to do though with even having like you know a lot of the arrows guys on the other side is it really allowed canada to work on some stuff that if you don't necessarily have like the numbers to do a full um like a full inner squad game like this like they had guys subbing in and out like you know so there there was like a plenty of numbers um to have it that they probably wouldn't have had with the arrows but they were um they did especially in the second half i guess the for to call it of that game um they started to do a lot of work on lineouts and the you know that's uh, we've talked about it personally um you know that that's an area that canada seems to really need to get better on um you know and they uh you know towards the end of the practice stuff so like kingsley jones really started like hammering at that where you know if there would be you know uh you know whether it was be a try a try would get scored and they would restart it with like a lineup um you know after just in order to you know get everybody working on that they would have you know they would do like one like you know one line out on one side and then so each team you know could constantly practice the offensive and defensive side of that line out they would flip the field immediately um to just go to the other side um so it's like they they also were like did a lot of work it looked like on you know different um lines that the backs can run um to start creating space and stuff in the back row and the back line um so it's like the the, the arrows gave them that like that competition that they can actually you know they can work on these things against like you know professional rugby players guys that live and breathe and get to train full time um which is something that i don't think the you know uh rugby canada's really ever had access to um kingsley jones did also mention that you know there was a bit of there was a lot of you know the entire toronto arrows coaching staff was present um at the at the practice as well um so it was like the kingsley jones didn't mention that there was a lot of like you know sharing of information between the two sides um so it's you know it helps them to like you know bounce ideas off of each other and stuff as well um and you know helps you know uh it helps them become better coaches by being able to like work and collaborate together um and you know a handful of the the players yesterday were also saying that you know you you can know you notice a difference in guys abilities and stuff between you know actually having a full season of professional rugby um both prior to like the international window um you know as opposed to just you know play the arc have like you know a few months of a gap with nothing play the pacific nations cup and then you know um then you have a few months of a gap until like the next international tournament um you know which is what canada usually does but now all of these guys were playing the you know like the entire season and it's like you really you really do notice um you notice a difference between um uh some of the like the individual players and how much better that they that they are getting so um you know hopefully 
the relationship between the Arrows and Rugby Canada can continue to be strong. And you're able to do these types of things more often, these little collaborative practices and um, a little bit better, uh, a little bit more frequently. Um, you know, obviously, Rugby Canada is based out of BC, so I don't know how you can do it. But, um, you know, any, any, any time that Team Canada has to play in Southern Ontario, uh, I hope that they, you know, get together to do something like this again. Yeah, and I think they, it's a you scratch our back, you know, we'll scratch yours when it comes to uh, the arrows as well. I mean, we saw it when right before their season started, the arrows went out west where the weather was better, and they practiced at, at the mm-hmm. um, at the the center there, and then you know it really helped the arrows kind of start on the right foot. So I think you're right. I think this this is a mutual partnership that can really benefit. Um, and, and, and that goes for all the guys that played Major League Rugby on the other MLR teams as well. Um, you know, it's not just like the Arrows players that, you know, look a lot better than maybe they have, you know, in, in other years. It's like there's, you know, a lot of a lot of guys that play for Seattle or NOLA, um, you know, like they're also looking like they've played an entire season of rugby to lead up to this point. Um, like they're coming in, at, you know, in much better form than uh then you know the canadian side usually does um having a lot of guys that are um, essentially amateurs on the team so uh the arrows and major league rugby as a whole are kind of changing the look of this team and you know it's 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 great to be able that they can act that they you know can work together and leverage it in order to one also create like a chance like not only just to you know help each other get better as a rugby team um and create that you know um you know the atmosphere of you know of basically simulating the entire game um but also you know you you can make it open to the public you invite you know you invite people out you invite um you know the local you know the local rugby clubs and stuff out and it's like just a you know helps grow the game in like entirely really yeah which i I really think that's a that's a smart practice for both uh organizations uh my next question for you and it kind of goes off of what the MLR's mandate was for, for teams joining the league is that they had to have a community presence and also an academy pr- program. Now, the Arrows are in kind of this situation with the Ontario Blues where an academy isn't necessarily an, like necessary. They definitely do have an academy team that has been traveling. Uh, they, they play, they've, they've played a few games so far. Um, but the Arrows have had a very strong presence in the rugby community in Ontario. Um, they've been part of uh, a few different events. Uh, rugby in the, in the Square, which is a touch rugby game in downtown Toronto uh, at Nathan Phillips Square. Uh, you know, before, years before, it was the Wolfpack that had had an involvement um, very sparingly, but they were, they were there and they provided some resources. But this year, uh, the Arrows and the Arrow players were involved, uh, including uh, some of the coaching staff. Uh, so that was really good to see. Um, they, they scored high school events and uh, high school OSA events, which is the high school sanctioned tournaments. You know, gave out shirts that were man of the match shirts and helped run it a little bit and give them some support to high school rugby. And uh, this past week, they also helped at uh, a rookie rugby um, program, um, which was in Whitby, I believe. Um, so they they did another one after the practice too. Oh, awesome! Right? Yeah, they they did another one after. So it was like a lot of the 
I know, like, I, I tweeted out, like, a picture of them with a bunch of, like, kids from the Oakville Crusaders and stuff. It's, like, a lot of those kids went up and did, like, the rookie rugby thing after. Uh, a handful of players uh, stuck around and, like, led drills and stuff through the, for that as well. Yeah. It was like they did so that. Was, they did that after the, the main practice. After the practice. Yeah. Which, like, whenever I was done rugby practice, I just wanted to go to bed. So, kudos yeah. to those Professional athletes, I know, but yeah. they're they're, um, they're in a bit of they're in a slightly better condition than you are. Yeah, but then they're they're playing against guys who are also in better condition, so I think that levels out a little bit. But yeah, uh, my question, my question to you, Derek, is is how do you how do you feel about the approach the arrows are taking? Because you know you look at other teams like Houston uh, that have been ha- that have been touring their academy side and. Have had a little bit of success with them. How do you feel about this more community approach, trying to grow the sport through the grassroots that the arrows are taking? Because, you know, they could definitely put more time and resources into having their academy team travel and and, and play teams. But, how, what are your feelings about this? Well, I I mean I, I don't know. I think developing an academy team and like growing the brand of the brand of your team is maybe two different things. There, um, I think. I think ideally, you obviously. You my point, sorry, my point is more that the arrows have definitely taken more of a of a focus on one of those two things. I don't say you have to pick one or the other. I just think that the arrows have definitely yeah, chosen think, to put more resources I mean, think, into one. Yeah, I, I think ideally, you know, to have the academy team and stuff playing is obviously a good thing. Um, but you know, that's you know that that helps obviously develop those guys that you know are maybe fringe players, get some of them more playing time. Uh, you know, the Mitch Richardson, Johnny Sheridan's, uh, uh, you know, of the squad. Um, so, like, you can you can have those guys, you know, to have those guys playing more games is obviously beneficial um, to you as as a, uh, like, to, to you as the, the actual professional rugby club. You want your, you want the guys that you have playing rugby more frequently. Um, but I think, like, you know, uh, especially, like, in the offseason of the league, I think the league as a whole, like, if you had some, like, like a handful of like academy games and stuff um, to be able to, um, you know, just, uh, you know, keep the league in people's minds just by, you know, playing a little bit more. Uh, But you don't necessarily, you still need the off season. There still needs to be like that stretch. I, um, but I think the, uh, you know, the stuff that the arrows are doing in the community is really good. Uh, You know, rugby in the square, that's a really like cool initiative Um, for anybody that's not from Toronto, basically rugby in the square as Dan describes, a touch rugby tournament, but it takes place in Nathan Phillips Square, um, which is probably one of the busiest places in Toronto, um, especially uh, at any given point in time. It's a major, uh, it's a major landmark. It's uh, you know if you ever watched any like Raptors games and stuff where they show like the Toronto sign, like that's Nathan Phillips Square. It's where they had the you know the massive Raptors parade and stuff as well at the end. Um, so it's like. You know, it's it's a massive landmark um, uh, just outside of town hall and stuff, and it's, um, you know, it's one of those things where it's like that's just exposes the game and the arrows brands to just people that are just walking by it, um, which is you know another like a really big thing. Um, obviously, you know the arrows, you know sponsoring you know other community rugby initiatives, doing the rookie rugby things uh, within the community, just. Like it helps, you know, get your brand, get the brand recognition directly to people uh, that already have an interest in rugby. And you know, if you're being just introduced to rugby for the first time, and it's like you can start seeing, 
you know, the blue and white and the, you know, the interlocking TA arrows logo um, all over the place. It starts to just help to, you know, build that brand recognition. Um, I think, you know, one thing that I think I saw, I think I could be wrong. I think on Twitter I saw, you know, San Diego, like host uh, San Diego Legion hosting like watch parties for Team USA games, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, is another thing that it's like, I think, uh, honestly, I think that's a really great idea. Um, just because it's like, you know, you can, again, you keep building, you can use something um, like the World Cup and the preparations of the World Cup to help, you know, just keep MLR like in people's minds, you know, whether uh, and, you know, hosting watch parties and stuff for uh, hopefully like that continues going forward. I know like the World Cup being in Japan um, isn't maybe depending on what part of the country or the continent that you live in, I guess, isn't the most time zone friendly um you know place um you know there's there's gonna be i know i think canada's got at least one game that starts at 3 a.m if i'm remembering the schedule properly hey we don't even know if we're gonna be able to watch it on tsn tsn hasn't announced any schedule about these games so we might be listening to it on the radio or using a vpn to watch it somewhere else yeah that's uh i think that's that's a discussion for another podcast episode i think um (laughs) But uh, I mean, I'm I'm confident that that'll get done. Um, but but like in order, but that's the thing though too, right? Like, you know, in order to to grow the game, like, I mean, we did have we have talked about it. It's like, you know, you can't maybe do something like that if you, the game's not going to be shown anywhere. Um, so like, we have talked about like you know some of the you know the games, especially during the Pacific Nations Cup, not being shown live. Um, it's like, yeah, so hopefully that, you know, changes the World Cup. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a game at 6 a.m. TSN. Like, what else, what else is on right now? Um, Lumberjack Sports. Yeah, so hopefully hopefully that, that um, they can figure that out. But, yeah, I, I like what the Arrows are doing. Um, you know, they're really targeting, you know, the rugby clubs and, like, the core rugby community, um, which, you know, it's just – it's pretty much like that's that's an, a great way to like you know grow the brand and stuff and you know i think you you really want to hopefully you know get to the point where it's like you know when i work downtown toronto right now and i see somebody wearing an arrows hat i'm like oh that's like really cool it's an arrows hat um and then it's like you know i think ideally like you hopefully want to get to the point where it's like you see people wearing arrows gear and you think nothing of it because it's just so common and stuff right yeah which would be like the ideal thing to get for major league rugby to kind of get to. Um, but yeah, I, I think if, if the arrows just keep doing what they're doing, it's like, they're going to have a pretty recognizable brand within the city soon. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I like it. It's, you know, if you want to get people to come to rugby games, you know, you can definitely go and target people that are already into rugby, um, you know, make yourself become like public figures and, everything within the community um one thing is like i know i've I've talked about it before a lot of the the arrows players um have done a great job of being like super accessible to uh both uh the fans and media um so you know it's it's uh if you do go to a public event that the arrows are participating in it's you know it's really easy to you know sit down and have a conversation with any player um on the squad which is definitely something that they need to they need to keep doing so i mean from from that point of view it's like i i like what they're doing with like their marketing their community initiatives and stuff and 
you know, um, one of the things that they did kind of talk about um, prior to last season was that um, if you read my layman's sports article with the interview with uh, Bill Webb and Mark Winokur, um, they they did kind of talk about how they they were admitted into the league in like November with having to start play by the end of January. Um, so I think now that um, which you know didn't give a lot of time to uh, you know didn't give a lot of time to prepare for the start of the season. Um, and I think now that you know they, they have a ton of like they have the entire they have a, a full off season to prepare. Um, and, and everything is like, I think that they can like, they're just diving headfirst into, um, you know, let's make sure there's an, if there's a rugby game that happens, you know, in Ontario, let's make sure there's an, an arrows logo or some form of arrows recognition at it and stuff. And, you know, I'm like, I, I, I there sounds like they're going to have a pretty big presence at the uh, Canada Leinster game and, you know, which is the way it should be. Yeah, and I, I agree with you again. You're so close. Take advantage of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we uh, we are really looking forward to that game this Saturday. Ken, feel free to come up and and talk to us. I'll be wearing a, a maroon Tilly hat, and I'll probably be yelling or screaming about something. But uh, uh, if you guys want to listen to more of our podcasts, uh, Anchor.fm/LaRougeRugby is our webpage. It, there's a link on our Twitter account as well. It'll have all of the platforms where you can listen to our podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at LaRouge Rugby. We normally update about podcasts and we talk about rosters and we get uh, Aaron Castro tweeting us about football. So uh, thank you everyone for listening. That, that would uh, ever be my one big sports hot take is that the CFL is better than the NFL. And that'll stay Derek's hot take. Uh, <laughs> thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, next week, we will be recapping this, this Lancer versus Canada game. So hopefully, we will be very positive about it.